Good morning. That was good, good worship service this morning. I uh, appreciate the rain. I appreciate y'all being here, even amongst the rain. I know it's been a while, so some of us may not even know what we was hearing hitting the roof. Um, but it beats hearing my grass crunch underneath my feet, for sure. <laughs> um, I look forward to cooler weather. Fall is my favorite time of year. I'm a hunter. I also carry extra insulation, so when it gets cooler, I like it. Um, so this morning, let's stand as we pray uh, and give thanks this morning. Gosh, we have so much to be thankful for. If you would, please stand with me in prayer. Gracious Heavenly Father, God, as we gather here this morning, Lord, we have so many, so many wonderful things to be thankful for, Lord. The rain, our community, our schools. God, in the depths of despair that the world has to offer us, Lord, we see your light, your glory, and your hope. Lord, that we know these things that are happening, Lord, they have to happen. But God, you're not surprised. God, be with us this morning as we unite and fellowship together this morning, uh, not only physically, but spiritually, Lord. Tie the binds, Lord. Lord, I pray that you would bring this body, your body, back together, Lord, that you would cinch us up. Lord, that you would equip us to carry on, Lord, to carry forward your word. God, to do it in good spirits and a humble nature. God, we know as long as that we're seeking you, God, that's the only thing that matters. Lord, help us this morning seek you with a deeper desire. Lord, help us this morning to seek you with all of ourselves. Lord, that our plans for this afternoon, what we've been through this morning, Lord, would fade away in your presence. And God, we bind Satan from this service in Jesus' name. God, that he would have no room here today. God, that we could gather, that we could study your word, that we could sing praises to you, God. We know there's people out there hurting and sick and lost. God, I pray that you would energize us this morning. Give us the strength and the tools, Lord, to go out to the sick and lost of this world. Lord, to help pick them up, and Lord, to tell them your truth. God, I'm thankful for many things this morning. But the most important thing I'm thankful for this morning, Lord, is the fact that you gave your son to die on a cross for our sins. Lord, that we could have a relationship with you. God, that we could go live with you and dwell with you in eternity. God, I pray this morning that there's anybody here that does not know that. God, that today would be the day that they would make a decision to know you. Lord, I pray that you would just push me out of the way this morning. God, that you would speak to your children. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You can sit down. Sorry, I said that a little harsh. You may be seated, if you will. <laughs> I'm like, sit down! I'm sure some teachers were like that this week as the schools went back, though. And, whoo, man, I, they don't pay them enough. Uh, they do a special thing. We need to remember our schools in prayer. We need to remember all our country in prayer. Guys, we've got to, as children of the king, got to be soaking everything in prayer. Uh, 
growing. That last song that we did is growing. I had a visit uh, with one of our members and a sister in Christ this morning about growing, and it's all about growing. Um, it's hard to grow. You ever get in those situations where you just you pray and you pray and you pray and you feel like there's just a cap, man, that the ceiling is as far as your prayers go, and you just don't feel heard, and you just don't feel the presence of God, and even getting into prayer times a struggle because you're anticipating not being able to feel His presence, and it's hard to take time as school starts back up and we get back into the swing of things to get into God's Word, to really absorb the Scripture, to take time for relationship with God. Man, I battle these things too. Don't think you guys are the only ones. I, I battle these things. And when I feel apart from God, I know that it's not Him that's moved on, it's me that's turned around and walked away. See, I know that there's a season for rest and there's a season for everything the Bible says. But a lot of times we use that season of rest as a crutch and it becomes an enabler for us and we never get back in the game. See, the season of rest is for God's children when they've been so beat down and tore down and have spiritually outflowed everything that they can and that they're just worn mentally, they're worn down physically, and it's just hard to press on. See, God says, bring it back to me. After you've went and exerted everything that I've given you to exert, and after you've went and flowed out the spirit that I have given you onto other people, the lost and the sick and the dying and the hurting of this world, and after you've flowed out everything that I've poured into you, come back to me, and I will restore you. Right? I'll give you that peace, because once you spend a little time out in this world, your emotions are going to get going, and you're going to be like, ah, right? Drink another Red Bull. But this is the, what the world wants of us, and that's why God says, go out, be the outflowing of the spirit that I've put inside of you, tell the world the truth, and then come back to me to get rejuvenated and restored. Because my mercies are never ending, my spirit is never ending, and I will fill you up again so that you can go back out again. But sometimes we step out a little bit, and we, we pour out a little bit, and then we come back to a season where we just said. And I believe fully when he says be still, he's not talking about do nothing. He's talking about be still so that you can get in touch with me, so that you can hear my voice, so that you can read my word, so that you can pray up, so you can get built up, filled you back up with the Spirit, and that way you can go out again. See, we're never supposed to just go back to God and sit there. I believe fully that God will tell you when it's time to come and when it's time to go. But sometimes our biggest crutch is that we want to take part of the scriptures and we want to say, oh, God says find me for rest and I'm just going to go there and I'm going to rest for the next 42 years of my life. See, I don't know what the span is, but if you're not talking to anybody, if you're not telling anybody, if you're not singing to anybody, if you're not preaching to anybody, see, preaching don't just happen right here. Preaching happens every time you're telling somebody the truth of God. And we're all made to be preachers, right? We're all made to go out and to tell the truths of God about his word and about his works and what he's done for us. And the way the fact that he sent his son to die for our sins, that's all of our responsibility. 
But sometimes we get so bogged down by this world and the things that are happening around us or something that's happened in our own personal life or in our families or in our households and in our towns, and it brings us down and we've got to have time to recoup. There's a down season. Guys, there's a down season. And take it. If you need it, take it. But don't wear it out, right? Don't overstay your welcome. I'm not saying that you can overstay your welcome with God, but he needs a soldier that can keep on keeping on. He needs a soldier to march on. He's got to have a generation. He calls it to press forward. So I'm going to read about Nehemiah a little bit this morning to kind of give you a backdrop of where I'm going with this and kind of what the Lord laid on my heart. I'm not going to take full credit for this because I found this in some study I was doing um, about the story of Nehemiah. And I prayed about it, and the Lord started unraveling the story to me. So we're going to start in Nehemiah chapter 4, starting in verse 8. The walls of Jerusalem had been burnt and torn down. Nehemiah caught wind of this, and he felt it. It was his call to go back and start restoring the walls of Jerusalem. Starting in verse 8. It says, and all of them together, and all of them together to come and to fight against Jerusalem and to hinder it. See, the people around the God's natural enemies, the enemies of Israel, right? The enemies that tore down Jerusalem were starting to conspire because they didn't want the walls to be rebuilt, right? They'd spent a lot of time tearing these walls down on tax after tax after tax, and they did not want the walls to be rebuilt. And when they got word that Nehemiah was there and that he had come back to restore the walls of Jerusalem, they said, uh-uh. So they got together and they started conforming against Nehemiah. And it says, all of them together could come and fight against Jerusalem and to hinder it. Nevertheless, we made our prayer unto God and set a watch against them day and night because of them. And Judah said, the strength of the bearers of burdens is decayed, and there is much rubbish, so that we are not able to build the wall. So these, these armies are starting to conspire against them. They're teaming up to, to make sure this thing doesn't happen. And then it says, Judah, the people that were bearing these burdens, right, for so long that the walls have been torn down, the people that are there to build the walls back says it's too much. It's too much. We've got a pile of rubbish, and we just can't do it. We can't do it. We're tired. We're weary. We just can't do it. It's just too much. In verse 11, and it says, And our adversaries said, They shall not know, neither see, till we come in the midst among them, and slay them, and cause the work to cease. And it came to pass, that when the Jews which dwelt by them came, they said unto us, Ten times, from all places whence you shall return unto us, they will be upon you. Therefore said I in the lower tower, sorry, therefore said I in the lower places behind the wall and on the higher places. I even set the people after their families and after their swords with their spears and their bows. It says, And I looked and rose up. And said unto the nobles, and to the rulers, and to the rest of the people, Be not ye afraid of them. Remember the Lord, which is great and terrible, and fight for your brethren, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your houses. 
We've got to remember that the fight is not just ours. Right? Every time I come here on Sunday, I'm not here for myself only. I'm here for all of you guys. I'm here to help carry your burdens that you've been burdened with throughout the week, so I want to hear from you. If you're toting something that you want to share, share it. My wife doesn't come here just to listen to me talk because she gets to hear that all week and she's probably tired of it, right? This is probably one of those down periods where she's like, eh. But that's what I'm saying. We come here on Sunday to rejuvenate. You don't just come here for yourself. Morris, I love your presence, man. I hope you don't just come here for yourself because you're here for me too. I love it. Bob, Dylan, you guys have all made an influence in my life. And I miss you when you're gone. That's what a church family is, right? We fellowship together. We hurt when another hurts. And we rejoice when another's rejoicing. That's the family part of the church family, right? More than just skin deep. Bob, I want to be more than just a hello on Sunday. I want to be a person that I can see it in your eyes when you're hurting, when I'm shaking your hand. And you don't have to say anything. Because I know you. See, I one morning was shaking hands with a person, and I said, how are you doing? They're like, oh, I'm great. Things are just going good. I was looking into their eyes. Their eyes didn't tell me that. And so after service got over, I got to get in touch with them, and they were facing a whole lot of things. But see, we've dumbed dirt down to just a meeting. We've shallowed it up so much that fellowship is now just a high how you do in relationship. That's not what the biblical definition of fellowship is. Fellowship is getting to know one another, getting to feel one another, becoming family with one another. Gretchen, you know when your kids are hurting because you know them. My kids can see it when I'm hurting because they know me. See, this family has gotten so shallow that when the devil comes, when the devil comes to fight and picks on us, we stand alone because we don't know who to call when we're battling sin. We don't know who that we can count on. We don't know who will keep my secrets, who, who with this embarrassing sin can I share with so I don't have to battle this alone, right? That's where we're at because we're afraid of the church body. We're afraid to share because we're afraid that this person will tell the person behind him and then that person's going to tell that person before you know it. You've got people judging you and shaming you all within inside the church body. See, that's the problem that we're coming against today and that's why it's so easy for a church to get unraveled. Right? For division to come up and spring up and happen. Because I don't know what's going on. And I'm just as much as to blame as anybody else is because my life is so busy that I don't have time for my church family, right? Well, there's an extra, but it's not, it's not made to be there. It's not like Sunday morning when I need to be there. This is just a, a social gathering, so I'm going to go and mow the yard. I'm telling you guys, these things are important. I didn't know how important church family was until I became part of one. My gosh. 
I want to talk about restore my soul. Man, I've got people on my list that I can call when I got problems, that they will more than gladly share that burden with me. It could be the worst, most demeaning, embarrassing thing in the world, and I've got brothers in Christ that will share that burden with me, and I know they're going to pray with me. They're not going to go out and tell their friends that they're going to pray with me on the phone. They're going to show up at my house and pray with me. They're going to pray over me. They're going to pray with me. They're going to pray for me. And we're going to battle this thing as a team, right? And luckily enough, God has, has called me into a spot and has allowed me to grow enough that I've got people that call me now that want me to pray with them. And guys, I'll tell you, praying is not my strong suit. But I can unify just like anybody else can that they don't have to carry that burden alone. See, my grandma always, people would start picking on me and my grandma would be like, it's all right, he's got broad shoulders, he can carry it. I believe that God designed me for this. I don't believe he's just figuratively talking when my grandma said that. I literally have to turn sideways to go through some doors. I can fill a doorway, guys, but God built me the way I am. He structured me for a purpose. How do I know this? Because God doesn't do anything that doesn't, I would say don't make sense, but that's not true. A lot of things he does doesn't make sense to me. He's got a bigger plan for me. He doesn't do anything for not. Everything has purpose. So when he created me, he had a purpose in mind. When he created my children, he had a purpose in mind. Their life is not for nothing. They have a purpose. They have a purpose. Sometimes I wish I was born several years ago so that I didn't have to live in this mess that we live in now. You know, some people, my grandpa, man, he should have been born way back in the 1800s because that's just where he fits. But God's got me in this season for a reason. He's got me here right now for a purpose. That's what I'm saying today. I don't believe you're here by mistake. I believe that God has designed this moment for every individual here for a reason. Don't waste it thinking about how you're going to barbecue this afternoon or something that you've left in the oven or who's going to come to the party, or even work next week. Man, guys, that's easy to get caught up in. But I'm telling you today, during this time, we're here to unify. We're here not only for ourselves, but we're here for our brothers and sisters. I'm going to read verse 14 again. It says, And I looked, and rose up, and said unto the nobles, and unto the rulers, and to the rest of the people, Be not you afraid of them, Remember, the Lord, which is great and terrible, and fight for your brethren, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your house. See, that's why we're here today. We're here to get a battle plan together. We're here to gear one another up. We're here to help each other put on armor because what's where we're going tomorrow? We're going back out into the world. Some of us, whenever we leave here today, we're headed back out into the real world. See, Satan has power here on earth. If you think he don't, you're kidding yourself. Satan has greater power than you sitting in your seat. God is still on the throne, though. And we have access to the ruler. Through Christ, we have access to power that can thwart Satan. 
through Christ and Christ alone. But he's telling your people, he's telling these people, get up. Be encouraged because God is with you. And you're not doing this for you. You're doing this for your family. You're doing this for your community. You're doing this for your country. If you think God can't make a difference in this country, you're lying to yourself. It's not too late. Because God can change it. He can change it any time. I believe that God's looking for a people to change it right now. And I believe wholeheartedly that God is grooming a people. I believe that God is grooming a people because there is a battle coming. Verse 15, and it came to pass when our enemies heard that it was known unto us and God had brought their counsel to naught that we returned all of us to the wall, every one unto his work. And it came to pass from that time forth that the half of my servants wrought in the work and the other half of them held both the spears and the shields and the bows And the Habararians, I don't even know what that word is. And the rulers were behind all the house of Judah. They which builded on the wall, and they that bear burdens with those that laded, every one with one of his hands wrought in the work, and with the other hand held weapons. For the builders, every one had his sword girded by his side, and so builded. And he that sounded the trumpet was by me. And I said unto the nobles, and to the rulers, and to the rest of the people, The work is great and large, and we are separated upon the wall, one far from another. In what place, therefore, you hear the sound of the trumpet, resort ye thither unto us, our God shall fight for us. So we labored in the work, and, and half of them held the spears from the rising of the morning till the stars appeared. Likewise, at the same time, said I unto the people, let every one with his servant lodge within Jerusalem, that in the night they may be a guard to us and labor on the day. See, they had a plan. Everybody had a purpose, right? Everybody's got a purpose inside of this. Maybe your purpose for the nighttime was to hold a shield and to lay brick and mortar in the daytime. But this is a family, a community coming together to build protection for its people. And they were unified by God. Guess what? Those that seek to destroy couldn't have it. Why? Because they were a people that sought God together to accomplish a purpose. Amen? That's what I get excited about because the things that happen in the Old Testament can happen today. You want to go 40 days without food? You can. Science says you can. I know a God that says you can. That's not out of the realm of possibilities. Science hasn't changed since the Old Testament. My God hasn't changed since the Old Testament. Amen. He is now what he was then and will be to come. And his promises stand. The thing that I look forward to the most is that he says, I'm going to send my son to come back for my children. Amen. That's what I get excited about. But guess what? Don't you want him to get more children because of the things that you're doing because you unified in the body and you went out and you touched a community, you touched a life, and you raised somebody up? Sometimes we got to dig way down, right? 
That's why I'm saying we got to get back in the game. There's a season for rest, but there's also a time to get back out. And I'm not one to lay around. I'm not one to lay around and say God hasn't called me to anything. Because if you read God's word, he has called everybody to something. He's called everybody to something. Everybody has a gift. Everybody has a purpose. Are you looking for it? You know, sometimes they say ignorance is bliss. And I believe that's true sometimes. <laughs> but I can assure you, if you're being ignorant to what God has on your life, it is not blissful. You may not know what you're missing, but be assured that you're missing. Somebody else may be missing because of you. See, this whole thing is dependent on God and God's children. But I believe there's a way to recover. Whenever we're praying and we feel like we're hitting a ceiling, we feel like God doesn't hear us. See, we've got to have a plan, and God gives us a plan. See, I went for a while there, and I was praying, and I was praying, and I was praying for a situation and, and other things, and God said, you know what? Just come and sit and listen for a second. Come and sit and listen for a second. I got home real late one night. I don't know, probably 10.30. That's real late now, guys. Just so you know, kids, whenever you get 30, 35, 10.30 becomes real late. And I went to my back porch, and I sat. And I sat, and I sat. And I don't know how many times I wanted to speak, and I would start speaking. I'm like, no, God told me to listen. And then I would start talking again. I'm like, no, God told me to listen. I bet that happened 50 times. Well, guess what? Around 2.15, God spoke to me. And then I went to bed. It was simple. But it was a matter of obedience. It was a matter of, am I willing to wait to hear from God? Am I willing to sacrifice my time to hear God speak to me, to hear my Father's voice? See, I go to Him all the time with my, my prayers and my wants and my needs and my sorrows and my sadness. And guys, He wants to hear all those things. I'm not saying that He doesn't. But if you're looking for something, sometimes we don't need to go with requests. We need to go with open ears and a hope and heart so that God can show us what he has for us. Because see, even in our prayer life, it's not all about me. Right? It's not all about what I want. We'll get to what Jesus had to say about that in a second. Right now, Psalms 32. Psalms 32, the, the battle plan for getting back in the game. Right? I've got some plans here that might help you to get back in the game. If you're tired of sitting on your duff and not being an active Christian, not being a follower of Christ, only being a fan of Christ, not a follower, there's a huge difference. We did a study on it, great study. But there's a difference between being a fan and being a follower. And if you're tired of sitting around saying that this life is not exciting, then I can guarantee you that you're sitting in the fan spot and you're not in the follower spot. Because, see, I followed Jesus all the way right behind this pulpit. This is not me. This is not where my heart desired to be. This is not where, I can't say it's not where I want to be, because I want to be where God wants me to be. But, guys, this is not comfortable. It never gets easier up here. 
I don't know if you know this. It never gets easier up here. But you've got to follow what God has for you. And that's what I'm talking about. First step. First step, I believe, in getting back in the game is you have to look at yourself. Right? It starts from the inside. You can't just start doing things on the outside and expect the inside to come along. Right? You can help tons of people never make it to heaven, right? It's a matter of the inside that gets you to heaven. It's a heart condition. So we've got to look at the inside. Let's look at the inside first. David in Psalms 32. In David, Psalms 32, he said, Blessed is he who transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity, and whose spirit there is no guile. Guys, this is important right here. Even David, David knew that a person whose sins were forgiven, his transgressions were forgiven, blessed is he, right? We are blessed, amen, that we get to serve a king, the king of kings. If you haven't accepted Christ yet, you don't know that feeling yet. Today's the day. In verse 3, it says, When I kept silence, my bones waxed old through my roaring all the day long. For day and night thy hand was heavy upon me. My moisture is turned into drought of the summer. He's carrying all this weight. He's carrying all this weight with him. All the bad decisions, all the bad thoughts, all the things that he's done. He's carrying this burden and this weight. This is the sorrow that he feels. It says, I kept silence. My, my bones waxed old. My roaring all the day long for day and night... Thy hand was heavy upon me, and my moisture turned into drought of summer. He was harboring sin. He was harboring the sin, and it was changing his life. It was changing what he was doing. It was changing the way he was thinking, the things that he was feeling, and it was even make the good things that he had turn bad, right? We've seen it millions of times with addiction. I'm just saying that because it's kind of the most outward that you can see easily. Carrying that burden doesn't just affect you. Carrying that burden affects families. It affects communities. It affects schools. It affects governments. See, when we carry these burdens thinking that we're the only one, I can't talk to anybody about this because I'm the only one or it's too embarrassing, it carries weight and it's not just affecting you. But guess what happens in verse 5? It says in verse 5, I acknowledged my sins unto thee, and my iniquity have I not hid. I said I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. We've got to be honest with ourselves, right? Are we harboring sin? The first thing that we've got to do is start cleaning up the inside. We've got to desire it, right? We've got to want to change. We can't sit there comfort in our own slothfulness. In our own laziness, if you're comfortable there, pray for a desire to not be. Man, I'm telling you. Well, it's just kind of, you know, when you're living life for the Lord, it's just kind of it's kind of boring, and nothing really happens, and you just go to church, and you, you stand up, and you sing, and you sit down, and you listen to some guy talk forever, and man, it's just all these requirements. Guys, that's not living life for the Lord. I can assure you. That is not living life for the Lord because 
Christ says, I want you to have life, but not only life, I want you to have life abundantly. He's like, I want you to have more. I want you to have better than this world could ever offer you. So if you're sitting there mundane and bored with your walk with God, then I would say that you're more sitting with God and not walking with him. God wants you to go somewhere. David says, I confessed all my sins. I didn't hide anything from him. I gave it all to him. Verse 6. For this shall every one that is godly pray unto thee in a time when thou mayest be found. Surely in the floods of the great waters they shall not come nigh unto him. Thou art my hiding place. Thou shalt preserve me from my trouble. Thou shalt compass me about with songs of deliverance. I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. I will guide thee with my eyes. Be ye not as the horse or as the mule, which have no understanding, whose mouth must be held with a bit and bridle, lest they come near unto thee. Many sorrows shall be to the wicked, but he that trusteth in the Lord, mercy shall compass him about. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, you righteous, and shout for joy all ye that are upright in heart. How much shouting for joy do we have anymore, right? How much shouting for joy is there taking place today? How many people are just ecstatic to be here this morning? Probably, I, I get super stoked, man. I get excited to be here. I do. But yet, there are Sundays where I'm not so excited, guys. It just happens, right? The world happens. People happen. But that's what we come here for. We come here looking for answers. You know, something just hit me, and I, I'll be the first to admit, I've got faults. Being on the school board in this particular day and age is not the easiest feat that you've ever undertaken. Um, a lot of people have a lot of things to say. But you know, as I was weed-eating yesterday, and I couldn't hardly feel my hands, but that's another point for a later time. Uh, I was getting angry as I was thinking about all the things that I've heard said and, and have been said to me and, and people's thought process. And then I was like, you know what? The people that are talking never volunteer for anything anyway. I was starting to get hard from the world. I was allowing the world in. I was allowing the world in, guys. And then it came to me that you ought not be like that. You know, you shouldn't act like that. You can't hate them for what they don't know. They've never sat in your shoes. But guys, I've come to find out that we've got a world full of complainers that don't want an answer. They're not complaining beneficially. They're complaining just to be complaining. See, I believe that if you've got a complaint, then you ought to volunteer your time to make a difference. If you've got a problem with something, get involved with it, right? If something's hindering your life to the point where you can't focus, then you need to step up your game and go make a difference. See, that's where Christians have been called out to be different, right? We're not supposed to be comfortable in this world that we live in, right? Said you got to live in it, but don't be of it. Be of my kingdom. Do the things that I've told you to do. And people are going to look at you like you're weird. 
and people are going to call you extremists and radical, guess what? Loving the Lord is extreme and radical. You're going to stand way out here when the world is over here, and you're going to have opposing views because you don't live and walk to the beat of this drum. You live and walk to the beat of that drum. And so you're going to stand out. But the cool thing about being a child of the king is that he called us to go reach a lost world. Guess what? If you don't like what you're living in, go try to change it. And that's exactly what Jesus called us to do. You're not supposed to like the world, and if it likes you, then you've got a problem. Right? Because you're becoming like it, so they're going to like you. If you like me and you serve me, they're not going to like you. We're called to be the change. We're called to be the change. That's why I'm saying for a season, rest. Yes, it is important. Guys, I'm going to need rest too. I'm going to need rest too. But I can tell you that we've got to be chomping at the bit to get back in the game. We've got to get chomping at the bit to start making a difference again. Take your rest. Replenish your soul. Allow God to talk to you. Maybe he changes your direction. Maybe he changes your purpose. But the one thing that he's not going to do, he's not going to take away your purpose, and he's not going to not give you a direction. There's always going to be something. There's always going to be somebody that you can talk to. There's always going to be one little kid that you can give a hug. There's always going to be one little family that you can help. There's always going to be some job that benefits from your presence. There's always going to be some church that you can help in your attendance. There's always going to be something. There's always going to be something. But first we have to start with the healing of the inside. First, we have to start looking at ourselves and identifying ourselves and start healing ourselves. We've got to. Because if you're broken and shattered to pieces on the inside, it's going to be really hard for you to help and reach to the outside. I'm not saying I'm full. I'm not saying I'm all put back together. But I'm saying that you've got to allow God to start piecing you back together. You've got to allow God to start building you to the direction that he wants you to go. So we got to start building from within. The next thing that we got to worry about, what's one of the biggest things that the world is handing us right now? Fear, right? Fear, anxiety, right? You want you to run faster. You're not doing enough. I'm going to need you to work Sunday. The company's not making enough money. We're going to need you to do that. Guys, there's a difference providing for your family I, I get it sometimes, but if all possible, we need to take that day of the rest. We need to get rested up. There's a reason he designed it for us to get rest. Take that day of rest and rejuvenate. In John 14, verse 26, in John 14, verse 26, it says, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. You ever have that aha moment when you're just in conversation? You know, I've read, I've read the Bible through once. And that just happened like, I don't remember if it was last year or a couple years ago. But you're in conversation with somebody and a scripture just pops to you. And you're like, wow, where did that come from? 
I believe that it's the Holy Spirit that brings us those things because it says it'll teach us all things. And it says, I'll bring to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. We have to leverage and use the Holy Spirit's the Holy Spirit to guide us. We have to stop choking it out and conforming to this world, and we have to let it run rampant in our lives, guys, and then we have to let it guide us, teach us, and direct us. Verse 27, it says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth. Give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Right? If you're, if you're full of anxiety and you're full of fear and you're living on the edge of your seat because you don't know what's going to happen next and it's all scary and you don't know how to act or react and you're just spinning circles, that's the opposite. Jesus says what he left you. He said, but I, but the comforter, in verse 26, is the Holy Ghost whom the Father will send in my name. He shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance. Whatsoever have I said unto you. And what does he say in verse 27 that I leave you? It says, peace. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Right? He leaves us his peace because he knows that we're going to need it. And he says, not as the world gives. Right? The world gives us medication for peace. You know, they make drugs for that. You can have all the peace you want all the peace you want but that's not the same kind of peace that's temporary peace that often leads to other problems and other things guys but jesus says peace i leave with you my peace i give unto you not as the world gives let not your heart be troubled neither let it be afraid we've got something so much better coming we've got to know it and we've got to stand on it My body is not getting any newer. And it's going to die someday. There's no way other out for me or for you. This body is going to wear out and it will pass away. But because of what Jesus did, my soul will never die. It will never die. Those are promises that we have to start standing on. That's the reason we can have joy in the midst of controversy and anxiety and fear is because that we know this is going to perish. We know, as good looking as this is, it's going to go away. Right? What a sad day it's going to be. But will it? Will it? In the passing of somebody, I always remind them Man, guess where they are right now, though? That's the biggest comfort that you can give anybody that is dealing with, with death, is guess where they are right now, right? Guess where they're at? They're sitting up there, and everything's white, and there's music playing, and it's the best thing that you could ever imagine, plus more. That's a peace that you have in times of trouble. Yes, you're going to hurt. Hurt's real. You're going to hurt. But you can hurt and have peace, knowing that there's so many things that are better. And that's what Jesus said, that I'm going to leave with you. 
And why is it utmost important? Because the world is not going to give it to you like I can give it to you. So when I go, I'm going to leave you peace. 2 Timothy. This is a familiar scripture. 2 Timothy chapter 1, starting in verse 7. It says, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Be not thou for ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner. But be thou partakers of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. <laughs> Man, I, Paul cracks me up. This guy, has, he went through a lot. <laughs> Read some of these books in... in Paul went through a lot. But he says, be partakers of the affliction with me. He doesn't be, be partakers of the singing, the rejoicing, which he does also. But he's like, man, you know, be partakers of the affliction that's going to happen. Because I need somebody with me. Right? If I know I'm bearing something, if I know that I'm carrying a weight, it's so much better to know that I've got a brother or a sister standing right beside me that says here, let me carry some of that for you. Let me carry some of that for you so you're not bearing it all. You know, carrying that burden looks a lot different in a lot of different ways. My wife a lot of times has a lot of great things to say is positivity when I start to get down and things that are happening around me. In situations, a lot of times she's the voice of the calm. And a lot of times when my head starts to grow, she's pins and needles that pops it back into place too but it's good to have that guys and I'm not just talking about in a wife I'm talking about in brothers and sisters in Christ because she's not only my wife she's a sister in Christ and she helps me when I'm weak just like my brothers do and my other sisters in Christ but that's what Paul's saying he's like we don't have a spirit of fear he gives us power love and a sound mind why so that we can endure afflictions together. He doesn't give you power, love, and a sound mind because everything's going to be great all the time. He gives you power, love, and a sound mind that when things get foggy and things get dirty and we're just in the pits of it battling it out, that you've got power. And that you've got love of a brother or a sister and a father above that loves you. And you've got a sound mind so that you know what the promises of God are. And that you can stand on them in times of trouble. Because he gives us those things. Verse 9 says, Who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began I want you to read that again I want you to read again who had saved us and called us with a holy calling not according to our works but what according to his purpose you know I used to stand up here a lot and he used to say, I can't do this, and I can't do that. I've really tried to watch myself, because if it is God's purpose, 
then I absolutely can. I absolutely can. And I absolutely should. Right? I say all the time, I can't sing. But if God calls me to sing, then he's not only going to give me an opportunity to do it, but he's going to give me the tools to succeed in it. And it may not be for any of you guys. It may not be. But I just want you to know that he doesn't call you to your own ability. So if you feel led to do something, you're like, oh, I can't do that. You're relying on yourself. Self is not what God calls you. He says, I have called you to a holy calling, to my purpose, not yours, and I will give you my tools to get you there. You don't have to rely on you. You don't have to rely on you. Rely on me. This is part of the building process. When you say, I've been in rest for so long that I can't stand again, then you're saying, I can't do it. But guess what? God can. God can. They laughed at Jesus when he came into the midst of the room where they were all gathered because this little girl had died. Right? Jesus said, she's not dead, she's just sleeping. And they laughed him to scorn, it said. What did he do? Rebuked evil. Get out. Evil, get out. This isn't of you, this is of my father's work. And because of who my father is, this little girl, I declare, is just sleeping. Right? These are the things that we have to understand. By my strength and by my ability, I wouldn't get very far. I just wouldn't. Guys, I don't know the Bible that well. I'm not that great of a speaker. But by God's grace and God's mercy and God's purpose, here I stand in front of you today doing the will of God. It's not of me, it's of him. But that's the purpose and the, the draw to stand back up is like, God, what are you going to do next? You know, there's this big, huge problem over here. What are you going to do with it? I get excited about it, not about the problem, but I get excited about what God's going to do because a lot of things that God does, you just stand there and you're like, oh, that was so cool. Did you see that? You know, kids, we listen to our kids' prayers a lot of times, and, and the kids pray simple things, right? And it's just awesome to hear my kids pray. It's even awesomer, if awesomer is a word, it is now. When they come back to you and they're like, Dad, you remember when I prayed such and such and such and such? Yeah. God heard me and he answered my prayers. Just guess what happened? That doesn't stop at eight years old. That doesn't stop at six years old. That goes until you draw your last breath here on this earth. But God has a purpose for you. If you're in the thick of it today, God has a purpose for you. If you feel like you can't stand back up, you're relying on your own strength, not God's strength. A lot of times we're relying on the tools of this world to get us somewhere when somewhere we're supposed to be is not of this world. How am I supposed to do heavenly things with earthly tools? I can't. Right? God says you can heal the sick. You just got to believe it. 
If God tells you to do something, do it. His purpose. You have a purpose. That's my biggest thing that I wanted to tell you today. When we're talking about getting back in the game, know that you're not going to bring meteorocracy. If you're seeking the Lord wholeheartedly, you're going to make a difference and you're going to make a godly difference, a heavenly difference in somebody's life, a difference that's so big that goes beyond comprehension. Amen? That's what I get excited about. You hear these doctors all the time. I can't explain it. You know why you can't explain it? Because you did nothing. But God, my Father in heaven, did. Right? Relying on ourselves is death. But relying on a Father in heaven that loves us will bring you life eternal. He'll build you up where you're weak. That's one of the biggest things that I've seen in church crowds that says, I can't do that. And I just want to be like, you're right, man. You can't. I've seen you. You can't do it. But guess who can? Guess why we're here? We're here to save a lost and dying world. That's what we're here for. We're here to reach the next lost person. That's what we're here for. Look at the person sitting next to you. You may have to look a little farther because everything's going on. Do you know if they're saved? Do you know 100% if they know Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior? Man, that's going to be one of the worst things to ever happen, is to be sitting here and not know God. To allow somebody to sit next to you in a church for years and not ask them if they know the Lord. To allow them to perish. A lot of times we just need encouragement, right? You ever watch an altar call? There's this big, long, usually pause up front when it first happens. Nobody's coming. One person comes. And then you got two people. And then you got three people. And then you got four people. You know how a revival starts? One person says, I'm going to step out in faith. Because I feel God calling me to a purpose. I see a problem, and I know God's got the answer. And I feel that he's given it to me. Complacency is a dangerous, dangerous thing. Contentment is a dangerous thing. I've got a personal testimony about sitting on a tractor and saying, Lord, I'm so happy and content where you've got me. And boom, that night as I was driving home, I think you need to start preaching. It's like, oh, what? I didn't mean I was content where I was at. I meant I was happy. We should never be content in non-growth. Every day, we should be growing towards the Lord more and more. Sometimes growing is sitting there and listening. Sometimes growing is down on your knees praying. Sometimes growing is stepping out in faith, not having a clue what you're doing. Sometimes growing is sitting there with your kid at the dinner table going over a few Bible verses. Because I can assure you, the most I've ever learned and grown is when I started teaching children. Man, they're awesome. But don't just come with problems. Seek God for solutions. And then seek God to equip you with tools that you can be part of the solution. 
That's the problem that we have today is we, we talk about all these problems that are out there and all of these things. We're concerned with everything that's going on around us, right? We're so concerned about what's happening around us that we get wrapped up in the problem instead of getting wrapped up in the solution. There's tons of problems. There's one solution. So why are you focusing on this vast array of problems when you could just focus on one thing, and that's the solution? There's one solution to your problem. It doesn't matter what the problem is. There's one solution, it's God. It's a Father that loves you. Seek Him, listen to Him. If it prayer, if your prayers feel like they're hitting the ceiling, pray through it. Stay there. Pray. Right? I'm going to flip last one. I'll wrap it up. Luke chapter 22. <clears throat> Luke chapter 22. <clears throat> starting in verse 39. It says, And he came out and went as he wont to the Mount of Olives. And his disciples followed him. And he was at the place. He said unto them, Pray that you enter not into temptation. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's cast and kneeled down and started praying. We're talking about Jesus if you don't know it yet. Saying, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. His heart was in the right place. He had a problem. He was seeking a solution, and he knew what the solution was. So he went to the Father, right? He had a problem. He knew what was fixing to happen. He knew he was going to be tortured and crucified. He knew that this was fixing to take place. He knew what the problem was, but he went to the Father because he knew where the solution was, and he said, don't fix it the way I want it to be fixed, but I want you to fix it to your divine will because that's what he was seeking, was his Father's divine intervention. In verse 43, and it says, There appeared an angel unto him from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat was it was great drops of blood falling on the ground. I want to pray like that. Who has the desire to pray like that? I want to pray as if my insides are pouring outside of me. I want to pray as if my life depended on it. Why? Because it does. The perfect example of prayer. The perfect example of what I'm talking about and what is going on today is what Jesus did in the Garden of Gethsemane. He knew what the problem was. He went to God for the answer and he prayed for God's will to be done, not his own. And then he prayed harder and he prayed harder and he prayed harder until he felt like he was bleeding. If you feel like that ceiling stopping you, your ceiling doesn't have any power compared to the blood of the cross. You have access to the Father given to you through the covering of the blood. And there is no person or no spiritual being that can stand in the way of that. Nothing that this earth can offer you can stand in the way of you talking to your Father. Nothing. The devil can't step in and say, not today. But you can step in and say, devil, not today. Right? 
as your feet hit the floor in the morning, you can say, devil, not today. Not today. Today is not your day. Yesterday wasn't your day. Guess what? Little heads up, tomorrow is not going to be your day either. Because I've got a problem, but I've also got the answer. So when you're sitting there in contentment, in complacency, start reaching for God the Father to put purpose in your life, to will you to do something. Pray for a desire to get to know him. Maybe it's a season where you just really dig into scripture that you can't do much outreach because you're reaching in, fixing the inside first, right? We always say the fruits of the labor are not based upon your salvation. Sorry, I said that the back way. Your salvation is a free gift that produces fruits of labor. Because the inside changes first, then will the outside change. So if you would stand with me today. If you're into something right now that you shouldn't be into, seek a brother or sister that will pray with you. If you have problems that you don't think anybody has the answer to, seek somebody that does. Because this world's got plenty of problems to offer you. It's got plenty of anxiety. Right? Hardships, fear. Open the door of the church and allow it in if you want, because it's out there waiting just for you to walk out that door so it can put its weight back on top of you. But I'm telling you, today, right now, you have the opportunity to say, nope, guess what? I shucked it when I came to the altar today, and devil, you're not handing it back to me because I'm not picking it up. I'm not taking it with me this week. I'm not carrying those burdens with me this week because I cast them off in Jesus' name because I know that my Father has the answer for me, and he tells me that his yoke is easy. And his burdens are light. And I know I've got heavenly places to go when I leave this earth, so I'm not going to allow the earth to have control over me. But today, the Father is going to have control over me. Man, we got an opportunity. This is opportunity to lay it all down. To lay it all down. Sometimes we just got to hit our knees to get closer to the ground so that we can lay it all down. Sometimes God won't let you stand back up until you lay it all down. And I pray that today. I pray that if you come up front today, that you would lay it all down. Lay that weight and that burden down. And when you get back up off of your knees, that you don't pick it back up. Or let the devil hand it to you as soon as you walk out that door. Today's the day, guys. Today is opportunity to start seeking something you didn't even know you wanted right? If you don't know the Father, today is the day that you know the Father. Today is the day. There's opportunity to be had in this moment that if you don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, that today is that day and the rest of your life is going to be different, right? Whose life changed when they started living it for the Father? And you checked off yourself, man. Mine did. True opportunity. It's not mundane, it's not mediocre, it's not boring. I can promise you. But he wants us to have life and he wants us to have it abundantly. He wants us to have it more than we can ever imagine. He wants us to be so filled with joy that it's never ending. That today is that day when we start that walk and we start that journey and that we tell the world that they can't have us because we're a child of the king.
We belong to a different kingdom. So as we open up the altars today, check yourself. Check the person next to you. Man, if the Lord is, is pulling on you to go pray with somebody, go pray. If you need to stand up here because you know that God is like, somebody's going to send me somebody to pray with, God is going to send someone because there just is. I can feel it in my bones. Then come stand and wait to pray.